Hello and welcome to the Toddcast. Um, today, we are going to uh, continue with the saga of Todd is better on paper than he is in reality, Navy Edition. Um, by sort of completing the uh, the Trinity, the Triumvirate, the uh, the third piece of the puzzle that relates to my time in the Navy and how, um, at least on paper, they've 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 made me out to be a better person uh, than I than I actually am. Um, for those of you who are just catching up, uh, if you refer to episode five, uh, the mullet of podcasts. Uh, you can hear me talk about how uh, they gave me a color vision test um, that they essentially faked uh, until I, on paper, showed to have full color vision, uh, which is not necessarily the case. Uh, if you would like to refer to uh, episode 14, the swim test, uh, you can hear all about how I went through the entire Navy, uh, my entire enlistment in the Navy without knowing how to swim, and yet in boot camp, uh, they classified me as a third-class swimmer. Um, and the third piece um, relates to how crappy I am with an M16 rifle, and yet consistently uh, earned marksmanship-level uh, rankings in, in that particular field. Um this came up this weekend. Uh, we were, I, I just got done visiting with the family, um, and some of whom listen to the podcast, and we're talking about the podcast, and uh, the youngest daughter, Lily, uh, is not a listener. Um, she hears enough of me as it is, I suspect. Um, but anyway, it came, it came up that she had actually never heard the swim test story, uh, which is shocking to me, um, as I will break that story out at a moment's notice. Uh, uh, so I related that to her, um, and she sort of, you know, inquired if there was anything like that, uh, which brought to mind the story I'm about to tell, uh, in regards to, um, rifle qualifying, uh, while I was in the Navy. Um, and it occurs to me I should, you know, go ahead and just share that with, with the rest of you, and, and like I said, it's, it's sort of a, uh, things come in threes sort of situation, um, and so to sort of, you know, finish that cycle out, I'll go ahead and tell that story. So, um, again, uh, for those of you who, who may not be long-time listeners, uh, I was in the Navy. Uh, I was in a uh, particular subdivision of the Navy called the Seabees, uh, which were uh, construction folk, um, and as such, uh, we were basically land troops. Um, as such, um, you know, our combat training... I'm going to say was similar to that of the Marines, uh, because most of our procedures and so forth were based on the, the, the Marine Corps' way of doing things. Um, let's be real honest here, folks. When it comes to, uh, you know, land combat, uh, the Marines are clearly far superior. Uh, that's, that's what they do day in, day out. Um, as CBs, our main job was construction-type activities, uh, with a little bit of here's how to defend yourselves, um, you know, should we be in a war situation and you, your position is overrun, sort of a deal. Um, so not really trying to make a comparison between the Seabees and the Marines, 
uh, other than, you know, that's what our training was patterned off of. Um, so, uh, as part of that, uh, everyone in the battalion um, received training in, you know, how to, how to, you know, aim, shoot, clean, maintain, etc., um, an M16, um, you know, the, the rifle you, you always see, you know, in all the, the, uh, you know, the war movies, um, we've been slinging M16s at least since Vietnam, um, and for all I know, the weapon I was handling may have been around from that, that time period, um, when I was in the Navy, wasn't really all that great at updating their gear, if, if it works, keep using it, um, (laughs) so, we're, you know, I knew how to tear that sucker apart and clean it and put it back together, and we didn't do, like, time trials or anything. Um, But you you end up getting pretty good at it. Um, And so part of the the training regimen, part of of the way uh, the CDs operate, is uh, you spend seven months deployed overseas to somewhere, uh, and then you spend seven months um, in home port. Back in the States, um, which is largely time spent um, doing training. Um, they do have some minor projects uh, that you can work on to, to do, you know, to practice your construction skills. Uh, but a lot of it is more military training, uh, you know, combat stuff, that, that sort of a deal. And so every seven months, you would be in home port, and part of that would be going to the rifle range. Um, and you had to qualify, like that's all there was to it, um, and to sort of set, set the stage for you um, as to how that looked and how that worked, um, the rifle range was not on base, it was an, an off-site location out in the woods, um, some piece of, you know, military government-owned uh, land, um, where they would do all of the, you know, all of the weapons training, um, which includes the rifle, um, it also includes, you know, the big stuff, the, uh, shoot, the, you know, the, the, the 40 cal and the, uh, the Mark 19. Uh, quick side note, the Mark 19 is a, is a thing of horrible beauty. Uh, it is basically a, you know, fully automatic uh, weapon that instead of shooting bullets, shoots grenades. Um, it, is a, it is a horrible and wonderful thing to behold in action. Um, but maybe we'll get to that at some other point. Um, point I'm getting to is that's where the rifle range was. Um, and it was probably about an hour's bus ride from camp, or from, you know, from base. Um, and so what they would do is they would load up multiple school buses full of all the people in the battalion. Uh, you would load up the bus at, oh, my God, early in the morning, um, like 4 in the morning or something stupid like that. Uh, drive out there, and you would spend the entire day on site um, until everybody had gone through. Um, and I want to say they ran, you know, for the, the range itself, 15, 20 people at a time. Um, so it took a, it took a while. Um, you know, and it, when, it, when you're up, as I will get into later, uh, it's not just a hop-up, two quick two minutes shooting the thing. And then next, it was, you know, an elongated procedure. Um, Add to this that um, 
call it fate, call it God hating us, call it whatever it is you'd like. I, I swear, every time, you know, you were going to go to uh, the range, uh, it would either be stupid cold or stupid hot, um, no mild no mild temperatures, um, and invariably it would rain in some form or fashion. Uh, and, you know, we were all issued ponchos that were not very effective. Uh, and when you weren't shooting, there was, like, a big, you know, covered area, um, kind of like a picnic shelter. If you go to, if you go to uh, you know, a, uh, a park and you rent one of those shelters where it's, you know, just a roof with, you know, stilts holding it up, uh, it's all open. Um, so you could get out of the rain, but when you were actually at the range with your weapon shooting, you were getting rained on. Um, and because it had been getting rained on, and it's all generally dirt, you were, you know, in the mud, and it was miserable. Uh, every time. I, I cannot think of a single time um, in Gulfport when we went to the rifle range that it wasn't pissing down rain on us the whole time. Um, and either cold, and so you're you're wet and, you know, shivering, or stupid hot, and so you're, you're wet and sticky and humid and gross. Um... So you'd get there at, you know, before the sun is up and do your thing. And you wouldn't leave until long after the sun went down. Um, so it was definitely in your best interest to, you know, make make your qualification happen while you were there. Because if you did not qualify, that meant that, you know, in, you know, a couple of weeks or a month or whatever it was when they went to do this again, you were going to be part of that and have to, you know, lose a whole other day. Um... I guess the other fun thing to mention is is when you're uh at home port when you're when you're you know back in the states for the, those seven months um generally you were kind of working a nine to five Monday through Friday gig you had your weekends off uh, unless you had duty, which I'm not going to get into, but generally nine to five Monday through Friday was what that was um a lot of times they would do these little you know all day excursions to hell, uh, it would be a Saturday. So not only were you losing, you know, a day of your life being, you know, wet and miserable, uh, you were losing a weekend being wet and miserable. Um, so you definitely wanted to try and just knock that out the first time and just call it good and not have to deal with it again. Um, what else can I tell you? Um, the, the range itself, um, the, there are three levels of qualification, depending on how well you shoot. Uh, marksman is the basic, you can handle a weapon well enough to where we're going to call you qualified, and you're a marksman. Um, the next step up, I believe, was sharpshooter, and then the next step up was expert. I may have those two backwards. Uh, I never achieved either of those levels, um, so it's not really burned into my brain. <laughs> um but basically, you're shooting at targets, you know, that are your, you know, your your classic, you know, bullseye, you know, concentric circle type uh, targets. Uh, you know, the bullseye is worth so many points. The next ring out is worth so many points. The next ring out after that is worth so many points. And I think that's all there was. I think if it was outside of that, you just missed the target, um, and it wasn't worth anything. And so you had to accrue uh, a certain number of points from shooting at the thing. 
uh, to determine what level you were at. And if you did not hit the minimum number needed uh, to be a marksman, um, you're basically a failure with the rifle and you've got to come play this game again. Uh, lather, rinse, repeat until you finally make that happen. Um, when you're shooting, um, there are three positions you have to shoot from. Uh, one is the standing position. Um, and so you're standing, you know, fully, fully, uh, up, you know, standing up, uh, sh feet about shoulders width apart, pointed sideways, sighting down your gun, down at the target. Um, and you shoot eh, uh, 10 shots that way um, and see how you do. Uh, the next one was the sitting position, uh, where you basically are sitting on the ground, um, crisscross applesauce, as the kids call it nowadays. Uh, back in my day, they used to call that, you know, sitting Indian style, when I can understand why they wouldn't want to do that anymore. That's not very PC. Uh, but hopefully you all understand the, the seated position I'm referring to. Uh, so you'd sit like that, you'd kind of lock your elbows in the, the nooks of your knees to sort of steady yourself. Uh, and again, you'd fire 10 shots downrange, uh, tally up your points. Uh, and then the third position was prone, which is the, you know, you're laying on your stomach, uh, pointing towards the, the target rifle out in front of you, uh, where you would once again take 10 shots, tally your score, um, and then you're good to go. Um, the first time you go to the range, there is an additional step uh, that takes place before you do any of that shooting, um, and that is uh, zeroing your weapon. Um, if you've not um, if you've not fired uh, you know a weapon like that or not familiar with the M16, perhaps in particular, um, there's a front sight which is up on the barrel, the little thing that points out, and then there's a rear sight which is closer to your eye. Um, and what you do is you line up the, you know, you look through the rear sight, which is normally like a little circle, and the front sight is like a little peg. And you line those up, and that's where you're aiming. Um, and both of those pieces are adjustable. Uh, you can raise or lower the peg. You can, you know, make uh, some sort of up and down and left and right adjustments uh, on the rear sight. And that's because not everybody holds the rifle the same way. Um, because people are different sizes and shapes, and you got to account for that. Um, and so they give you, you know, uh, ten rounds of ammunition. You load into the uh, the clip there, and you you take a shot. And there's a range coach next to you with uh, binoculars who looks and says, "Okay, um, that went left. Make this adjustment to your rear sight." Or, "Oh, that was too high. Make this adjustment to your front sight." Um, and they work with you to get it zeroed into, you know, your particular, you know, the way you're holding the gun with your face and, you know, distance to the sight and all that so that um, you have a chance of actually aiming correctly. If you just picked up a random uh, M16 and started, you know, aiming in and shooting, you're probably not going to hit what you're going for because it's not zeroed for you. Um, but once you've done that, you really don't need to do it again, um, no matter what your, you know, what position you're in, because generally your face is going to rest up against the side of the uh, rifle the same way, more or less. Um, this was problematic for me the first go-around, and pretty much every subsequent go-around when we had to qualify. Um, 
in that I am a person that wears glasses. Uh, and when you're at the range, um, unlike where you, what you'd do if you were in an actual combat situation, uh, you know, they take your, your safety very seriously. Uh, so, you know, I'm wearing glasses, but I'm also wearing goggles. Uh, you know, the, the sort of lab goggles you wear in science class that, you know, cover your whole eyes and have little air vent holes in the side. Um, everybody wears those. If you have glasses, they go over your glasses. Um, everybody has earplugs and then also ear muffs. You get double hearing protection because these rifles are, you know, loud. Um, and the hearing protection wasn't so much the problem in so much as it was the, the vision side of it. Uh, because as I mentioned, it was, uh, typically, uh, raining and gross, and if you've ever worn glasses and or goggles in that kind of thing, they fog up pretty quick, and when you're wearing both, they'll both fog up, and it makes it real hard to see, and you can't, like, pull off your goggles to wipe your glasses clean, um, because you can't take the goggles off while you're on the firing line, because that's a safety violation. So it's kind of hard to see anything regardless, um, and after a while, you, you, things sort of climatize and it's not a problem, but invariably during the, the zeroing operations is when that would happen. So I'm firing all over the place, and they're telling me to adjust things, and I do so, but I don't know that it likely did any good, because um, it wasn't very accurate because I couldn't see very well. Um, so it kind of got started off on the wrong foot to begin with. Um, so the first time, you know, I do the zeroing thing, and I'm, you know, wet and gross and all that. Um, I should also mention that I'm pretty sure that when you're zeroing your weapon, you're doing it from the prone position, lying down. Because uh, that's the most stable position for you to be in for accuracy purposes. Um, sitting is slightly worse, and standing is just a crapshoot, because you 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 know, there's recoil and bracing, and you can, you know, everybody, you know, wobbles and weaves a little bit, uh, even when you don't think you are. If you're laying on the ground, you're you're about as stable as you're going to be. Um, so I go through that, and then they have a stand up, and I do it, and I, you know, make take my shots. Um, and I guess at this point, I should describe, you know, how the range works. Um, the regulation sort of distance from the target. You're supposed to be, I want to say it's like 250 or 300 yards away from your target. Um, and the target itself in those conditions is like a giant poster size thing. It's like six foot by six foot. You know, the bullseye is as big, is as, you know, like a foot or bigger in diameter. But because you're so far away, it looks teeny and it's hard to hit. Um, there was an instance in Okinawa where we actually, you know, did rifle practice on a full-size range. Um, and in those cases, you take your shots, and the, the targets are on, um, I, I don't know what to call it, the mechanisms that pop up uh, while you're shooting and then come down when you're done. And underneath sort of the berm where these are, there are benches where people are on the other side. They get the signal, they pull the thing down, they make note of where you hit or didn't keep track of your score, and then, you know, put the target back up for you to go, you know, for round two. Um, 
where we went to do range practice did not have the benefit of that much space, I guess, is the is the explanation. Um, we were actually probably about 25 or 30 yards from the target, you know, a factor of 10 there. But uh, to compensate for this, they basically shrunk the targets down proportionally so that if you are, you know, sitting there at your rifle looking through the sight, the size of the target through your sight is essentially the same. Um, it's physically much smaller, but the apparent size is, is about what it would be if you were 10 times further away because the target is about 10 times smaller, if that makes sense. Uh, but basically, these targets were essentially on, you know, 8.5 by 11 sheets of paper. Um, which makes the next bit a little bit weird, in that they would, you know, 25, 30 feet in front of you, there's basically a post with a piece of plywood on it and a little clip, like a binder clip, like you have on uh, a clipboard that you would clip your, your target to. Um, like you would walk down, clip your target to it, and then walk, you know, about face and walk back to, you know, the firing line. You'd take your shots, you know, they'd blow a whistle or whatever, and everybody would take their ten shots. And once they were sure everybody had, you know, finished that, no one had live ammo, uh, you know, you put the safety on your gun, you, you shoulder it, and you everybody would march down to their target, pick that piece of paper off, march back to the firing line. Uh, and then you and your range coach would look to see where you hit and score your stuff. That's fine. No problem there. Once you were done, they had decal sheets that were white or black, because the center target is black, everything else is, you know, white, where you would take one of these stickers and put them over the bullet holes in the paper. They didn't give you a new sheet of paper. They had you put stickers on the holes. And then you would march that same piece of paper up, put it in the thing, march back, take your next ten shots, lather, rinse, repeat for the three positions. Um, why they felt it was more economical to buy a crap ton of white and black stickers than just print off additional targets is completely beyond me. Um, I'm going to go with ultimate cheapness because uh, the stickers, they were little round stickers. And if you've ever had a yard sale, you buy the little little round stickers to put prices on your stuff. They were that size. They were like, I don't know, half-inch stickers. They would have us cut those into quarters to, you know, cover the holes. You didn't even use a full sticker. You just used a piece of one, just enough to cover the hole. Um, and, that's how, and that's how that worked. Um, and there were range coaches that stayed back on the line, and they, you know, made sure everybody was, you know, following safety procedures, and they were also the guys who, you know, scored the things, made sure nobody was trying to pull a fast one. Um, so, you know, my first time up the range, you know, I do this, and I am, I am a crap shot. Uh, just, I, out of ten shots, if, you know, six of them actually hit the piece of paper, I was doing well. Uh, I am just no good with a rifle. Um, and so, obviously, my scores were, you know, pretty low. Like, you know, um, and, you know, I was not happy with this. And the range coach, you know, because I was fresh the first time I did this. I didn't know that many people in the battalion, uh, you know. Because um, the range coaches are guys from your battalion who have previously qualified. I guess that's no work. 
Um, and so they don't know me. They don't know me anything. They're like, yeah, you suck, dude. Sorry, we'll be seeing you again. Um, and that's how it went the first the first time. Second time, I think I actually managed to luck out and do better. Um, by the time our next home port came around, uh, I'd gotten to know some people. I was buddies with some folk. Um, and the guy who was my range coach that time around um, knew me, and we, you know, we hung out every now and then. And when range was coming up, and I knew he was a range coach, and we were, you know, hanging out, and smoking cigarettes, and drinking. I made mention about how much I was dreading it, and how bad I sucked, and whatever. Um, and he's like, I'll, you know, I'll see what I can do to be your range coach, see if I can't help you out. And I figure he's talking like, you know, pointers, you know, oh, here, hold it this way, or, you know, aim this way differently, or whatever. Um, but range comes around, and we go out there, uh, you know, and I take my first, you know, ten shots, um, and I bring the paper back, um, and he tallies up my score for real, and he's like, ooh, that's not good. Um, and he looks and he, and again, because these were all recycled pieces of paper, like I said, I don't even think you got a clean sheet for your own first go. They just shot on these things until there was more sticker than original paper. And then they would issue a new target. He's like, see, there's this, there's this one here that's, that's in the bullseye and it looks like it's got a sticker, but I can't... It looks like you shot at this sticker. It's kind of peeling up. I think that's where your shot must have went. And I kind of look at him like, are you kidding me? I clearly did not do that. And he's like, I'm going to count that as a bullseye and writes it down. And I'm like, okay, I am not going to argue against you. I do not want to have to keep doing this. Um, and so, you know, several, you know, generous points were applied at that point. Um, the other thing that you should know is that the, uh, the bullets that are shot out of an M16, um, when they, you know, impact a target, a paper target, um, obviously it punches a hole. Uh, and it's funny, the diameter of that hole is about the same diameter, um, of hole that you would get if you took a sharpened pencil and jabbed it into the paper, um, and made a hole that way, um, which is something that I found out, again, um, one time when the range coach was scoring things up, and things weren't looking too good, and he's like, oh, look, you, you scored one there, and pow, hits it with the pencil and the paper, and I'm like, yeah, that was a pretty good shot, if I do say, and he's like, wasn't it, though, and makes a mark on my little score sheet, um, and so really the key at that point, you know, because that go-around, I, I managed to qualify uh, as a marksman. And so uh, every time we'd go to the range thereafter, I just made sure that, uh, you know, I knew who the range coaches were. Uh, and made it be known that, you know, when all this is over and we get back to camp, uh, you know, what 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 is it that you're drinking these days? Oh, um Jack Daniels? Yeah, I think I've got an extra bottle of that in my in my room that I, I don't plan on drinking. Maybe you'll take that off my hands. Um and it's amazing uh how well I qualified um in the in the years after uh I came to you know to to, to learn the the range coaches and, and you know learn how to better operate the weapon um and so forth. So uh you know if if you were to look in, you know, my, my military record at the uh you know, various um, qualifications and so forth. Uh, like I said, I am a I am a third-class swimmer with full-color vision 
who is absolutely qualified to operate uh, the M16 rifle. Um, and, you know, ain't none of that true except that now I can kind of sort of swim. Um, and I can see most Kellers, uh, just not all of them. Um, I can't speak to the rifle thing. Uh, maybe I've gotten better with age. Maybe under different circumstances I would do better with the rifle. Um, since I got out of the military, there's only ever been one instance where I've fired a weapon, um, which in that case it was a pistol. Um, that is a whole other story into itself that perhaps I will tell at some point. Um, I feel like there are some uh, prerequisite stories that would need to be told to give that full context. Um, spoiler alert, uh, when I went to the pistol range uh, when I was living in Florida, I'm no good with that either. Uh, apparently I suck at guns. Um, if you um, sit me at a table playing Shadowrun, uh, I can build a character who's, who's a crack shot. Um, if we're playing Star Wars, you know, my characters can handle a blaster, uh, but me in real life with a firearm is, is not really a thing you want. Um, I've never fired a shotgun, but given that the concept behind shotguns is you're not really going for accuracy, it's spraying pellets everywhere, I could probably hit stuff with a shotgun. Um, but any actual, you know, point impact weapon, uh, like a pistol or a rifle, I, I can lay down cover fire and make a bunch of noise and make people duck, but the odds of me hitting what I'm going for are probably not that great. Um, I remember back when I was a kid, um, I had some buddies who had BB guns and, you know, would line up the, the, the tin cans and try for that, and I, I sucked at that, too. Um, yeah, me, me and guns don't, don't, don't play well in terms of accuracy, so... Um, but that completes the, the triumvirate of, uh, things that Todd can't really do, but, um, various, uh, documents and official, uh, pieces of paperwork will attest to the fact that I can. Um, so hopefully you found that enjoyable. Um, if you've got any, any questions or comments, um, feel free to hit me up, um, on email or on Twitter, or uh, leave me a voice message uh, on the old Anchor app there, uh, and I will will work towards addressing those. Um, outside of that, uh, again, I hope you enjoyed, and I hope you all have a good one. I'll catch you next time. And that's it.